0: Chapter 7 of Love Insurance by Earl Der Biggers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perrard. Chapter 7 Chain Lightning's Caller. The Villa Jasmine, Mrs. Bruce's winter home, stood in a park of palms and shrubbery some two blocks from the Hotel de la Pax. Mr. Minot walked thither that evening in the resplendent company of jack paddock you'll enjoy mrs bruce to-night paddock confided i've done her some rather good lines if i do say it as shouldn't on what topics asked minot with a smile international marriage jewels by the way i don't suppose you know that miss cynthia myrick is to appear for the first time wearing the famous Harrowby necklace "'I didn't even know there was a necklace,' Minot returned. "'Ah, such ignorance. "'But then you don't wander much in feminine society, do you? "'Mrs. Bruce told me about it this morning. "'Chain lightning's color.' "'Chain lightning's what?' "'Ah, my boy.' "'Mr. Paddock lighted a cigarette. "'You should go round more in royal circles. "'List, commoner, while I relate.' it seems that the earl of raybrook is a giddy old sport with a gambling streak a yard wide in his young days he loved the lady evelyn holloway lady evelyn had a horse entered in a derby about that time name chain lightning and the earl of raybrook wagered a diamond necklace against a kiss that chain lightning would lose wasn't that giving big odds inquired minot not if you believe the stories of lady evelyn's beauty well it happened before tammany politicians began avenging ireland on derby day chain lightning won and the earl came across with the necklace afterward he married lady evelyn to get back the necklace sack and being a rather racy old boy he referred to the necklace thereafter as chain lightning's collar it got to be pretty well known in england by that name i believe it is considered a rather neat piece of jewellery among the english nobility whose sparklers aren't what they were before the steel business in pittsburgh turned out a good thing chain lightning's collar mused minot i presume lady evelyn was the mother of the present lord harrowby so tis rumoured smiled paddock though i take it his lordship favors his father in looks they walked along for a moment in silence the story of this necklace of diamonds could bring but one thing to minot's thoughts martin wall drooping on the steps of the manhattan club while old stacy roared with joy he considered should he tell mr paddock no he decided he would wait as i said paddock ran on you'll enjoy mrs bruce tonight her lines are good but somehow it's really a great problem to me she doesn't sound human and natural when she gets them off i looked up her beauty doctor and asked him if he couldn't put a witty gleam in her eye but he told me he didn't care to go that far in correcting mrs bruce's maker they had reached the villa jasmine now a great white palace in a flowery setting more like a dream than a reality the evening breeze murmured whisperingly through the palms a hundred gorgeous colors shone in the moonlight fountains splashed coolly amid the greenery act two muttered minot the ground surrounding the castle of the fairy princess you have to come down here don't you replied paddock to realize that old mother nature has a little on velasco after all The whirr of a mutter behind them caused the two young men to turn then mr minot saw her coming up the path toward him coming up that fantastic avenue of palms tall fair white a lovely figure in a lovely setting ah yes lord harrowby he walked at her side nonchalant distinguished almost as tall as a popular illustrator thinks a man in evening clothes should be truly they made a handsome couple they were to wed mr minot himself had sworn they were to wed he kept the bitterness from his tone as he greeted them there amid the soft magic of the florida night together they went inside in the centre of a magnificent hallway they found mrs bruce standing like stout cortez on his Darien peak triumphant amid the glory of her gold mr minot thought mrs bruce's manner of greeting somewhat harried and oppressed poor lady every function was a first night for her would the glare of the footlights frighten her would she falter in her lines forget them completely only her sisters of the stage could sympathize with her understandingly now so you are to carry cynthia away minot heard her saying to lord harrowby such a lot of my friends have married into the peerage indeed i have sometimes thought you english have no other pastime save that of slipping engagement rings on hands across the sea a soft voice spoke in minot's ear mine mr paddock was saying not bad eh but look at that englishman why should i have sat up all last night writing lines to try and him can you tell me that lord harrowby indeed seemed oblivious of mrs bruce's little bon mot he hemmed and hawed and said he was a lucky man but he did not mean that he was a lucky man because he had the privilege of hearing mrs bruce mr bruce slipped out of the shadows into the weariness of another formal dinner mrs bruce glittered and he wrote the checks he was a scraggly little man who sometimes sat for hours at a time in silence there were those unkind enough to say that he sought back "'trying to recall the reason that had led him to marry Mrs. Bruce. "'When he beheld Miss Cynthia Mayrick "'and knew that he was to take her into dinner, "'Mr. Bruce brightened perceptibly. "'None save a blind and deaf man could have failed to. "'Cocktails consumed, the party turned toward the dining-room. "'Except for the Mayricks, Martin Wall, Lord Harrowby, and Paddock, "'Dick Minot knew none of them there were a couple of colorless men from new york who when they died would be referred to as prominent club men a horsey girl from westchester an ex-ambassador's wife and daughter a number of names from boston and philadelphia with their respective bearers and last but not least the two bond girls from omaha blonde lovely but inclined to be snobbish even in that company for their mother was a van rapen and van rapens are rare birds in omaha and elsewhere mr minot took in the elder of the bond girls and found that cynthia meyrick sat on his left he glanced at her throat as they sat down it was bare of ornament and then he beheld sparkling in her lovely hair the perfect diamonds of chain lightning's collar as he turned back to the table he caught the eye of mr martin wall Mr. Wall's eye happened to be coming away from the same locality. The girl from Omaha gossiped of plays and players like a dramatic page from some old Sunday newspaper. I'm mad about the stage, she confided. Of course, we get all the best shows in Omaha. Why, Maxine Elliott and Nat Goodwin come there every year. Mr. Minot, New Yorker, shuddered. Should he tell her of the many and active years in the lives of these two since they visited any town together? No. What use? On the other side of him, a sweet voice spoke. I presume you know, Mr. Minot, that Mrs. Bruce has the reputation of being the wittiest hostess in San Marco. I have heard as much, Minot smiled into Cynthia Merrick's eyes. When does her act go on? Mrs. Bruce was wondering the same thing. She knew her lines. She was ready. True, she understood few of those lines. Wit was not her specialty. Until Mr. Paddock took charge of her, she had thought colored newspaper supplements humorous in the extreme. However, the lines Mr. Paddock taught her seemed to go well, and she continued to patronize the old stand. She looked up now from her conversation with her dinner partner, and silence fell as at a curtain ascending i was just saying to lord harrowby mrs bruce began smiling about her how picturesque our business streets are here what with the greek merchants in their native costumes bandits every one of them growled mr bruce bravely interrupting his wife frowned only the other day she continued i bought a rug from a man who claimed to be a persian prince he said it was a prayer rug and i think it must have been for ever since i got it i've been praying it's genuine a little ripple of amusement ran about the table the redoubtable mrs bruce was under way people spoke to one another in undertones little conversational nudges of anticipation by the way Cynthia, the hostess inquired have you heard from helen arden lately not for some time responded miss meyrick although i have her promise that she and the duke will be here next tuesday splendid mrs bruce turned to his lordship i think of helen lord harrowby because she too married into your nobility her father made his money in sausage in the middle west in his youth he'd had trouble in finding a pair of ready-made trousers but as soon as the money began to roll in helen started to look him up a coat of arms and a family motto i remember suggesting at the time in view of the sausage a family is no stronger than its weakest link mrs bruce knew when to pause she paused now the ripple became an outright laugh mr paddock sipped languorously from his wine-glass he saw that his lines got over went into society head foremost helen did mrs bruce continued thought herself a clever amateur actress used to act often for charity though i don't recall that she ever caught it the beauty of mrs bruce's wit said miss myrick in mr Minot's ear is that it is so unconscious she doesn't appear to realize when she has said a good thing there's just a chance that she doesn't realize it suggested you know. then helen met the duke of lismore mrs bruce was speaking once more perhaps you know him lord harrowby no i'm sorry to say i don't a charming chap in some ways helen was a Chavian, in considering marriage the chief pursuit of women she pursued following lismore to italy where he proposed i presume he thought that being in rome he must do as the romeos do but my dear lady said harrowby in a daze isn't it the romans isn't what the romans asked mrs bruce blankly your lordship is correct said mr paddock hastily mrs bruce misquoted purposely in jest you know jibe, japery oh, oh pardon me returned his lordship. i saw helen in london last spring mrs bruce went on she confided to me that she considers her husband a genius and if genius really be nothing but an infinite capacity for taking champagnes i am sure the poor child is right little murmurs of joy and the dinner proceeded the guests bent over their food shipped to mrs bruce in a refrigerating car from new york and very little wearied by its long trip here and there two talked together it was like an intermission between the acts mr minot turned to the omaha girl even though she was two wives behind on mr nat goodwin's career one must be polite it was at the close of the dinner that mrs bruce scored her most telling point she and lord harrowby were conversing about a famous english author and when she was sure she had the attention of the table she remarked yes we met his wife at the mason bee's but i have always felt that the wife of a celebrity is like the coupon on one's railway ticket how's that mrs bruce nino inquired after all paddock had been kind to him not good if detached said mrs bruce she stood her guests followed suit it was by this bon mot that she chose to have her dinner live in the gossip of san marco hence with it she closed the ceremony witty woman your wife said one of the colorless new yorkers to mr bruce when the men were left alone mr bruce only grunted but mr paddock answered brightly do you really think so yes don't you why (laughs) really mr paddock blushed modest author he a servant appeared to say that lord harrowby was wanted at once outside and excusing himself harrowby departed he found his valet a plump round-faced serious man waiting in the shadows on the veranda for a long time they talked together in low tones when harrowby returned to the dining-room his never cheerful face was even gloomier than usual spencer meyrick and bruce exiles both of them talked joyously of business and the rush of the day's work for which both longed the new york man and a sapling from boston conversed of chamber music martin wall sat silent contemplative Perhaps had he spoken his thoughts they would have been of a rich jewel-shop at noon deserted a half-hour later mrs bruce's dinner-party was scattered among the palms and flowers of her gorgeous lawn mr minot had fallen again to the elder girl from omaha and blithely for her he was displaying his broadway ignorance of horticulture suddenly out of the night came a scream instantly when he heard it mr minot knew who had uttered it unceremoniously he parted from the omaha beauty and sped over the lawn but quick as he was lord harrowby was quicker for when minot came up he saw harrowby bending over miss meyrick who sat upon a wicker bench cynthia what is it harrowby was saying cynthia meyrick felt wildly of her shining hair your necklace she gasped "'Chain Lightning's collar. "'He took it. "'He took it. "'Who? "'I don't know. "'A man.' "'A man?' "'Reverent repetition by feminine voices out of the excited group. "'He looked out at me there, by that tree, "'penioned my arms, snatched the necklace. "'I couldn't see his face. "'It happened in the shadow.' "'No matter,' Harrowby replied. "'Don't give it another thought, my child.' but how can i help i shall telephone the police at once announced spencer myrick i bet you'll do nothing of the sort expostulated lord harrowby it would be a great inconvenience the thing wasn't worth the publicity that would result i insist that the police be kept out of this argument loud on mr myrick's part ensued suggestions galore were offered by the guests but in the end lord harrowby had his way it was agreed not to call in the police mr minot looking up saw a sneering smile on the face of martin wall in a flash he knew the truth with aunt mary calling loudly for smelling salts and the whole party more or less in confusion the return to the house started mr paddock walked at minot's side rather looks as though chain lightning's collar had choked off our gay he mumbled serves her right for wearing the thing in her hair she spoiled two corking lines for me by not wearing it where you'd naturally expect a necklace to be worn minot manoeuvred so as to intercept lord harrowby under the portico may i speak with you a moment he inquired harrowby bowed and they stepped into the shadows of the drive lord harrowby said minot trying to keep the excitement from his voice I have certain information about one of the guests here this evening that I believe would interest you. Your lordship has been badly butlered. One of our fellow diners at Mrs. Bruce's table holds the title of the ablest jewel thief in America. He watched keenly to catch Lord Harrowby's start of surprise. Alas, he caught nothing of the sort nonsense said his lordship nonchalantly you mustn't let your imagination carry you away dear chap imagination nothing i know what i'm talking about and then minot added sarcastically sorry to bore you with us his lordship laughed righto old fellow i'm not interested but haven't you just lost a diamond necklace yes They had reached a particularly dark and secluded spot beneath the canopy of palm leaves harrowby turned suddenly and put his hands on minot's shoulders mr minot he said you are here to see that nothing interferes with my marriage to miss i trust you are determined to do your duty to your employers absolutely that is why then replied harrowby quickly i am going to ask you to take charge of this for me suddenly minot felt something cold and glassy in his hand startled he looked down even in the dark chain lightning's collar sparkled like the famous toy that it was your lordship i cannot explain now i can only tell you it is quite necessary that you help me at this time if you wish to do your full duty by mr Jeffson. who took this necklace from miss Meyrick's hair asked minot hotly i did i assure you it was the only way to prevent our plans from going awry please keep it until i ask you for it and turning lord harrowby walked rapidly toward the house the brute angrily mr minot stood turning the necklace over in his hand so he frightened the girl he is to marry the girl he is supposed to love what should he do go to her and tell her of harrowby's amiable eccentricities he could hardly do that harrowby had taken him into his confidence and besides it was jephson of the great bald head the peter pan eyes nothing to do but wait returning to the hotel from mrs bruce's villa he found awaiting him a cable from jephson the cable assured him that beyond any question the man in san marco was hallam harrowby, and, like Caesar's wife, above suspicion. Yet, even as he read, Lord Harrowby walked through the lobby, and at his side was Mr. James O'Malley, house detective of the Hotel de la Pax. They came from the manager's office, where they had evidently been closeted. With a cable gram in his hand, Minot entered the elevator and ascended to his room. The other hand was in the pocket of his topcoat, closed tightly upon chain lightning's collar the bauble that the earl of raybrook had once wagered against a kiss chapter seven